0: Amen. Great. Well, uh, for those of you who went to Ashburnham, you'll be well aware by now, of course, the theme was making a difference. God's been reminding of us of that fact even this morning, that we are here for something more, that we are here for such a time as this. And this morning, I just want to link that theme in with our church's vision for this coming season. Often at this time of year, the start of the academic year, we often look again at our vision. It's uh, for many a season of change. Uh, We've got students going off to universities. We've got kids starting new school years. We've got some kids starting new schools as well. I know we've got people starting new jobs. Some people having new homes as well. Many of us are facing new challenges In this new season, there's a lot of change about, you know, even the weather's changing, isn't it, as we say farewell to what was summer. And even in the midst of these challenges, some huge challenges I know some of us are facing in this coming season, we can know a, a certainty and a security in God We can know that whatever this new season brings, God is with us, He is for us, and He has a plan for us, both individually and as a church. We're here to make a difference, aren't we? We are here for such a time as this. We are called to be a people of influence. That's really what I want to focus on this morning, that call to be a people of influence in our communities, in our cities, in our schools, in our places of work, within our friendship circles. We are here to be a people of influence. You know what? In Christ, we are the hope of the world, as as Rob has alluded to already. In Christ, we are not this Diminishing remnant of believers holding on until Christ returns. No, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. The church in whom Christ is building. And that the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. We are on the advance. God is building his kingdom. So we've been singing, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. You know what? That really excites me. You and I are his vehicle to display his grace and his love and his power to the whole world. Are you excited about that? Are you excited about that calling? You know, it's almost exactly a year ago give or take a few days, that we started a preaching series on the river of God that culminated with us renaming ourselves as River Church. And uh, if you remember, we preached through a a threefold vision. Do you remember? It was source, course, and resource. And I'm just going to very briefly recap What those three stand for, particularly focusing on being God's resource in this world. Firstly, the source, the fact that we must always be connected to the source of life itself, that is Jesus. He is the true vine. We are the branches. If we are to impact this world, we need to be connected completely and totally to Jesus. Remaining in him, it's just shorthand for, for living for him, for putting him first in all our lives. Because unless we do that, we will dry up and we will burn out. You know, that's what this summer preaching series was all about. This whole learning to rest in him, to draw from him rather than False idols, stuff we try and fill our lives with to give us meaning. It was all about finding our identity in Him and not in our busyness. Keep connected to the source. Rivers need to do that, otherwise they dry out. We then have the course of the river to recognize that we're not spectators in this river of God's life and spirit, we're very much part of it. John 4, Jesus says, The water I will give you will become in you springs, rivers of living water, welling up to eternal life. And I really felt God saying, just reminding us, if we want to impact our communities, we ourselves need to be in a place of abundance. We need to keep drinking of His Holy Spirit. We need to be overflowing with His love and with His grace. Luke 6.45 says it's out of the abundance or overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in here comes out here. You know, which also means we need to guard our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says... Everything you do comes from our heart. Basically, what we're saying is what we do and what we say is completely influenced by the state of our hearts. In other words, any influence that we have is dependent on what's in here, the state of our hearts. You could go as far to say that we owe it to our community to make sure that we ourselves are not running on empty, but daily drawing from God in worship, in prayer, in His Word, simply enjoying Him, simply enjoying God for who He is. When was the last time you simply spent time enjoying God? No agenda, no prayer list. I just want to enjoy you, God. I just want to enjoy your presence. I really feel God is calling us to that, you know, so that what flows out of us, this overflow, it's living water, it's life that comes out of us, not the dregs of a, a burnt out, dried up life. You know, the Westminster Shorter Catechism famously says, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him. Forever. The call to enjoy God. He is so wonderful. So worthy. I just love these testimonies in the mornings. We just get to hear again and again of God's faithfulness in the big things and in the small things. He's so good. You know, And I believe God is wanting to increasingly pour his spirit out on us as a church Again, it's been so good to hear what God has been doing in our kids at Ashburnham. You know, he is a generous father. He gives spirit without measure. You know, the only limit that we, it's what we put on. That's the only limit through either lack of desire or unfaithfulness. But I really believe God is calling River Church to go deeper and wider, deeper in our relationship and enjoyment of Him, as well as wider in our impact in this community, which takes us to resource, to recognize that you and I are God's resource in this world. Born to make a difference. Born for such a time as this. To be a people of influence. And if you remember, last year we talked about how rivers transform their environment. That's what they do. They cut through mountains. They carve out valleys. They bring life into desolate places. They make deserts into oases. They transform their environment. And one of the the key passages we looked at during that service, that series, was Ezekiel 47. I think, was it referenced, Rob? Yes, last week, Ezekiel 47. But I just want us to read just a short passage of that, verses 6 to 9. Because I think it will really speak to what we're looking at this morning. Ezekiel 47, verse 6 to 9. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live Where the river flows, there will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Some wonderful, powerful image of the transforming power of God by his spirit in our community. I love that image of salty water, where, where nothing can thrive, where nothing really can grow, being made fle- fresh, allowing things to flourish. I love that picture. And you know what? The truth of every Christ-centered church is to bring his life into our communities. That's what, our, that's what we're called to do. We're called to bring Christ's life into every aspect of our culture and our community. We're to influence every area because wherever the river flows brings life, brings healing, brings hope. It's a wonderful image. You know, just over a week ago now, as a family, we were skimming at high speed through the everglades of southern Florida. If you pop on there, there we go. There's... There's Captain Emily. Uh, thankfully, that was just for a photo opportunity. She wasn't literally driving that. Ben had a go as well. But amazing. I mean, what struck me, apart from the scale of the Everglades and the beauty of it, was how much life was there. It was teeming with life. You know, it was full of. Plant life it was full of animal life. It was full of gators as well, full of alligators, full of bears. And we saw bald eagles hovering overhead, just wildlife as far as the eye could see. Beautiful, stunning vision of life. However, there is real concern about that area because what's happening is because of global warming, sea levels are rising, And so salty water is beginning to encroach on this fresh water swamp. The reason it is so full of life is because it's a fresh water swamp. It's fed from underground reservoirs as well as the great rivers flowing south from the states. And yet the sea levels are rising plus there's increased demand on the fresh water as cities get bigger and bigger and the demand on fresh water increases. Fresh water is going down, salty water is increasing. And it almost seems like there's this inevitable, unstoppable force of the sea turning the fresh water salty. And what they're finding is large areas of this grassland are dying You know, the trouble is, as well, unlike crocs, alligators can't survive in salty water. Neither can 90% of the wildlife that's there. So there's real concern as the fresh water becomes salty and brackish. Almost seems inevitable. Now, as I was hearing this, as I was looking at the beauty of the Everglades, I I was thinking, you know what, sometimes we can feel a little bit like that with our culture. Sometimes it can seem like an insurmountable challenge to have any influence and any impact on our world. It feels like this inevitable, salty, dysfunctional, broken community with so much need just rising and rising, what, what impact, what influence can we have on it? It can feel like that at times. I don't know if you caught that interview with Conservative MP Jacob Rees-Mogg, and, uh, kind of eccentric guy, but he was on BBC's this morning, and uh, he was on there to talk about Brexit, and uh, in fact they basically interrogated him about his views, his Catholic views on abortion, and same sex marriage. And he was very clear where he stood. And as a result, he became a huge target of abuse and attack from the media. And you just look at that, and it just shows how far we have gone as our society, how quickly our society is changing. It can seem overwhelming. How quickly society is moving away from traditional Christian beliefs. And yet, and yet, God says, you and I carry rivers of fresh living water that can make the salty water fresh. With the Everglades... The salty water turns the fresh water brackish. The living water that you and I carry turns the salty water fresh. In fact, what they're doing in Florida to combat this is they're diverting as much fresh water as they can into that area, pumping it with fresh water to push back the salty water. But you know what? We have something far more powerful. The living water of God's Spirit turns the saltiest water fresh. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can make an influence? You can make a difference? Do you believe that your lifestyle and your words can turn the tide, literally? Do you believe that? Do you believe that, that simply the way you love others can change your life? Do you believe that? Do you believe that the spirit, this, this living spring of water that's within you, is the same spirit that turned back death itself when Jesus rose from the grave? It's the same spirit. Turns back death and decay and brokenness and pain and hurt and dysfunction and makes something beautiful. As so I was preparing for this morning, I felt God gave me Romans 12, 9 to 21. In my Bible, it's just headed as love in action. Love in action. And I believe it's both an invitation and a challenge to us as a church as we start this, this new season, this new academic year. And I believe as we heed these words of the Apostle Paul, I believe we will... Be a people of increasing influence in our generation. So as I read these words out, just think about how you can apply this instruction into your life. Let's read this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I love how the message puts that. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflamed. It's, it's going back to that overflow. Be, go back to that place of overflow again. Keep drawing on the source. Verse 12. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate people of a low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. It's not easy, is it? If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. There is so much in that passage of how to live different, holy, influential lives. But I felt God gave me three keys that I, I believe he's wanting or he's calling us to in this new season. If we want to be this river of clear, fresh, living water influencing our town, our cities, and our nation. Firstly, I believe there's a call here to clear authenticity, clear authenticity. Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Where we're not a church just fixated on numbers or even ministry projects, where we truly love people, where the motivation is compassion, God's compassion for each other as well as for the lost, where we can be totally real with one another. Quick plug for Claire's book coming out in October. It's all about being real with one another. We just read, with rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. You know, it... Because we're not hiding behind plastic smiles. You know, after spending two weeks in Disney World, <laughs> for all its wonderful Disney magic, it really is a very thin, if shiny, veneer. After a while, it's it's like, you know what? It, it, it's a wonderful show, it's a wonderful performance, but it is just a bubble. It's not real life. I even went into a a toilet, a restroom, that looked just like an African outpost. It was amazing. I was there on safari. I almost took second thoughts about going to the loo in this outhouse. It was like, oh, I don't really want to touch the handle. I opened the door and you could be in the poshest hotel reception room. It was all just a facade. And guess what? That is not what we are called to be. A facade. Sunday mornings are not a facade of spirituality. They are an overflow. When we gather to pray, when we gather to worship, it's an overflow of what's already in our hearts. That's what we're called to. Authenticity, not a facade. Again, I love how the message puts this. I'm going to be flicking between the message and the NIV. Verse 9, it says, love from the center of who you really are. Love from the center of who you really are. Don't fake it. Going back to Jacob Rees-Mogg, you know, despite this incredible backlash he's, get, he's getting for expressing his views he's also getting i don't know if you've been following the story he's also been getting masses of recognition and respect simply for standing by and articulating his christian belief you know people notice and recognize integrity you know they can spot authenticity whether they agree with his views or not, they respect his clarity and his honesty. That spoke volumes to me. I think we can learn an awful lot from that. It's a lesson for us. When we gather, we need to be real. We need to be authentic. You know, We don't have to be apologetic about our faith to unbelievers. We don't. But at the same time, we don't have to be apologetic to each other for our shortcomings and our struggles. We don't have to be apologetic. We can stand with people through unanswered prayer as much as we can celebrate with them for answered prayer call to be clearly authentic. Secondly, I believe there's a call here for clear accessibility. We are called to be a church for everyone. For everyone. Verse 16, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. The message again puts it like this. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Goes on to say, discover beauty in everyone. Again, I love that. Discover beauty in everyone. You know, we are getting more and more people coming through these doors week by week. On Sundays as well as during the week. I just want to commend Carolyn Dunlop. I mean... She's not in here at the moment, is she? Please pass it on. I'll speak to her in person. But she is doing an amazing job at raising the awareness of this place to people in our community. We are busier than ever. We are more visible as a church than we have ever been at any other time in our history. You know, so this term, we're really looking into getting better signage, better information boards. So that the number of people that come in here really understand who we are, why we're here, what we can offer them. We want to let people know that they are so welcome here. You know, we're finally getting the balustrade done this term as well so we can make that balcony a little bit more safe. (laughs) We're also gonna be putting seats up there, an extra 50 seats, increase the capacity of this place. We want people to say that there's room for you. There's room for you here. You know, that's the whole heart behind the coffee shop that's also starting this term. It's gonna be a busy term, this autumn term. You know, the whole vision of this coffee shop is to make this place as accessible as possible. That they will become a hub for the community. People from all walks of life. We want to say a big, you are welcome here. You are so welcome. It's a little bit of a way off at the moment, but we're also looking at the possibility of having a drop-in center for the homeless. In partnership with Community Works. But we want everyone who walks in here to know... They belong, they're loved, they're accepted. Verse 13 says, practice hospitality. Again, message puts it, be inventive in hospitality. I think so often we can rule ourselves out of being hospitable for practical reasons. You know, well, I'm I'm not that much of a good cook or I barely cook myself, or I have a very small home, or whatever. But the definition of being hospitable is simply making someone feel welcome. And there are many, many ways we can do that. You know, and often it's the small gestures that speak the loudest. Can I encourage us as a church, be creative, be inventive in the way you make someone feel welcome. You know, it doesn't have to be a Michelin-starred meal. It's the small touches, the smiles, the invitations to pop out to a park, whatever it is. Be creative in hospitality. Don't be stuck up. You know, make friends with nobodies. Why? Because God calls each one of us by name. Each one of us were nobodies. Objects of wrath, in fact. And yet, because of Jesus Christ, because he purchased us with his blood, he paid that price for our sin. He turned us from nobodies into being heirs with him, children of God, loved, accepted, adopted into his family. That is why we accept people, because God turns nobodies into somebody's. He calls each one of us by name. Let's throw open these doors. You know, the beautiful thing is as well, we are not called to judge. We just read here, do not take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. It's God's role to bring judgment. I was listening very recently to a a talk Pete Gregg from 24-7 Prayer gave. And uh, he shared about how he's got this friend. And she runs this uh, shelter for abused children. And you can just imagine the stories that she hears. Just brings you to your knees. And she said this to Pete. She said, you know what? I get so much comfort from the judgment of God. (laughs) It's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? But what she's saying is that when she hears these stories, in the natural, we get so angry. So how can anyone do that to someone so innocent? She can say, I can leave the judgment to God And that frees me up simply to love the people in my care. You know, we are not called to be overcome by the evil in this world. There is so much evil in this world. But we're called to overcome evil with good. We can leave the judging to Jesus which frees us from the anger and the bitterness that so easily kind of builds up, enables us to open our doors and just love and accept people. It's a call to clear accessibility. Finally, I believe this passage gives us a call to be clear about our authority about our authority. You know, when Jesus commissioned his disciples, when he gave us the great commission, he didn't call us to increased activity. He called us with increased authority, increased authority. And when we, as Michaela was saying this morning, when we look around, you know, we see there is so much devastation. In the world, monsoon floods in India, forest fires in North America and around the world. We've got earthquakes and hurricane after hurricanes. We've got the relationship between the U.S. and North Korea. We've got Brexit and all the unrest in our own nation. It can feel overwhelming. But as we've already articulated in our worship, we as God's people can be confident In our God, we can be confident that all authority is his and we as his church stand firmly in that authority. And so rather than look at all these headlines and just the craziness of what's going on and feel just overwhelmed and and just feel fearful, actually we can use this as a call to pray. So glad we prayed this morning. We use this as a call to pray. Our authority in Christ is expressed in faith through prayer. I'll say that again. Our authority in Christ is expressed in faith through prayer. When we call on the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus that is mighty to save, The name that is above every other name. We can take a stand. So we just read be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, be faithful in prayer. And you know, we have a mighty, powerful weapon in prayer, it's powerful. It's effective. It is mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And so this term, as Rob said, we're going to be starting as of next week a new series all about going deeper in prayer. I'm so excited about what God will be doing in us and through us as we really explore what it means to be a people of prayer, what it means for this place to be a house of prayer for the nations. We're going to be exploring how prayer is both this privilege, this intimate encounter with our Heavenly Father, as well as a place where we can wrestle with our struggles and our questions and our petitions, where we can, as Rob said, stand in the gap and intercede on behalf of our nation and the nation's. I'm really excited about that. You know, prayer is a place where we are changed and the world is changed. As Mike keeps on saying every time he comes and gives a, a, a notice about prayer, prayer changes things. It really does. So I'm really looking forward to that series starting next week. So in conclusion, I'm going to finish there. Maybe if the band could come back. I just want to encourage us as a church. As I said, I believe God is calling us as River Church to go deeper in our relationship with him. To enjoy him for who he is. To keep drawing on his Holy Spirit. Allow him to fill you daily. To be confident in that calling. As his river of life-giving spirit, but also he's calling us to be wider, to go wider in impacting our community. The fact that we are salt and light, that we are this pinch of yeast that eventually influences and affects everything. Let's stand to our feet. I'm just going to pray over us as a church. We're then going to take communion as well together at the start of this new season. Why don't we just break bread and drink the wine just to remind ourselves, God, I surrender afresh to you. Let's just pray. I don't know if you remember, back in the 90s, Martin Smith's band Delirious, he had, a, he had an album called History Makers. You know what? That call has never gone away. We are called to be history makers. Called for such a time as this. Come Holy Spirit. If you want, you can just raise your, raise your arms. Father, I just want to thank you for this new season. I want to thank you that You have plans for us, that you have called us for such a time as this. Thank you that for those you call, you also equip. Thank you that you go before us, you're behind us, you're surrounding us. And I just pray as a church... That we will grow in authenticity, in our worship, in our expression of your love amongst each other and amongst our community. Father, help us to grow in accessibility that we will truly love with your love. And Lord, help us to take a stand in your authority. The particular as we go through this series on prayer, Lord, that you will shape us and mold us into being a people of prayer. Lord, that through our prayers, history will be made, because you have all authority. Just pray, come and fill us afresh with your spirit. We are so thirsty for you, we are hungry for you. Be glorified in us and through us. Amen. Amen. Let's just worship God.